Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 267. We're recording this live Monday afternoon, January 11th, the year 2016. Episode number two of this year. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me, as usual. It is Asif Khan of the Location-Based Marketing Association in Toronto. Yes, still here. Yes, Toronto. Home home, home of the Leafs, home of the Raptors. Yes. Uh, you know what? I, I, I saw this commercial. I didn't realize that Toronto was hosting the 2016 NBA um, All-Star Game. Yeah. Yeah. Big. I know. Well, I'm, I'm out of that center of the universe, so I, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't know. I did not know. Well, you know, and then we, we've got the Winter Classic coming here and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's, you know. You know, it's, it's going to be a big couple of years, you know, for sports here. Winter Classic next year, next uh, next New Year's I, Day. I think it's is it next year or the year after? I'm not sure. It's whatever the anniversary is of the of the, the hundredth year of the Leafs or something. Oh, not no. It's like <laughs> that's what's more important than the actual hundred fiftieth anniversary of the country of Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see. I see how this works. Yeah. Leafs ahead of Canada. It's yeah. True. It's Leaf Nation then Canada. Exactly. Then family. Yeah. Then God. All of the, yeah, you, you, that's yeah. the order, right? Leave there you go. So how was the uh, first week back after the extended holidays, you know, because it was Christmas and religion. Number four item on our list of most important things as Canadians. Uh, how was your uh, how was your week back? It was good. I, you know, got to spend some time in town, down, you know, down in the office uh, meetings in, 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 in Toronto, catching up with folks. So it was it was really good. Um, and I got another whole week of that. So it's, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm excited. It's uh yeah, you know, anytime I get a chance, I, like, to be honest with you, like, I feel like I don't spend enough time here, um, and I don't. Um, so, I, you know, I find I miss a lot of the sort of face-to-face -face interaction with, the, you know, our members right here in Toronto. And uh, so it's always good to, to catch up and spend time with folks like that. And speaking of that, we just got a new member here in Toronto, uh, Rover Labs. You might have heard of these guys. Rover Labs, I've never heard of them. So uh, welcome to the LVMA, Rover. You know, I used to run a company called Rove. Yeah, I know. Does that does that count to anything? No. 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 What does Rover Labs do? Do you know what they do? Yeah, they're like you know they're in the beacons and Wi-Fi space and you know the 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 indoor analytics location space that you know everybody's in. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But the whole uh, world no. is doing right now. What's that? That the whole world is doing right now? But these guys are, uh, you know, they're a serious company with uh, some pretty amazing customers. And we're going to, we'll have them on the show soon enough to kind of talk about what's going on. And uh, yeah, and they, they're doing a lot of work in the loyalty space here. I know in, here in Toronto, they they partnered up with Air Miles and, and a number of folks. So uh, kind of bringing beacons together with loyalty platforms. So yeah, could be interesting. Rover Labs. Check them out. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the LBMA. See the treatment they get? I know. First star treatment, opening the show with them. There you go. Well, oh, yes. that, the fact that, you know, our, you know, our, our good friend, David Bowie. Oh, yeah. What a, yeah. Today is the day that everybody found out that David Bowie uh, has been suffering in silence for 18 months, trying to battle cancer, and then obviously didn't, uh, didn't do, wasn't successful in that. Uh, no. It, it sucks. So young. 69. I know. So young. I think of my man, Bruce Springsteen, right? Like the guy, like, oh, geez. That day will come, and I will be absolutely crushed. It always comes back to Bruce for me, right? But uh, yeah. I know that there are people out there, and including Bruce Springsteen, who look at David Bowie as such an influential guy in every. He's such an know. innovator, right? Like yeah, he's everything. just so creative, and yeah. But it, and, and, you know, it's a big loss, I think, for the industry. It is. You know, I I um I look at uh, there's this great, 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 great uh, audio clip that surfaces going around uh, the internet right now, which is um which is uh, under pressure. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a cappella, so they've taken, they've stripped everything out, and it's and it's just Freddie Mercury and David Bowie, just their part singing, and the power of their voices at that time, which was at their yeah. peak, right? It was un, like, yeah. unquestionably, amazing vocal capabilities, amazing innovation, you know, and, and you know, and I saw another person try to verbalize this, and I'm not a huge David Bowie fan. I'll be, you know, straight up about this. But he said that, you know, out of uh, out of the entire length of human habitation on Earth and all the planets and everything aligned, we should feel a privilege that we were actually alive during David yes. Bowie's time. So, 
I think that was very well articulated. And we'll say that about a lot of artists like Bruce Springsteen and such. Sure. But, uh, but boy, oh boy. Um, again, you know, I saw him. I was telling you see, before we started. I saw him in 1987 during that Glass Tiger, Glass Spider tour. Not Glass Tiger. That's a different... That's Canadian. <laughs> the Glass Spider tour where it was like... Uh, I saw him, huge stage production, and it was the shittiest thing I've ever seen. I hated it. I hated it. Yeah. it yeah, so that, that's my exp- exposure to... Well, there you Andy go. Boy. Yeah. And that in because, of course, Chris Hadfield um, making his uh, song famous, right? That's what happened, right? Yeah. yeah. Chris, Chris must be having a rough day. Well, I think that he, he everybody says that, you know, like, uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty huge impact on everything that we've done. So, uh, yeah, David, boy, that sucks. That sucks. That's terrible. <clears throat> All right. So we got to, I don't know how to transition away from that. Ch- no. Ch- ch- changes. Um, so we've got a, a good show. You got you actually sat down with uh, Brian Handley, who's the CEO of uh, Reveal Mobile. Um, I did get a, an interview, a real interview, another one, um, and it's coming up. And we've got our, our ten stories, which is the industry news and of course our member news. And uh, but before we do that, do you have anything that you want to promote? Is there an event that's happening? Yeah. Is something going on? You're going to Europe. What, what's going on? Yeah. So just two things I want to mention. So first of all, um, I'm going to be in um, Austin. Uh, at the end of this month, I think on the 24th and 25th of January. Um, I'm going to be there for uh, MUFES, uh, M-U-F-E-S is uh, I think how you pronounce it. It's This is an event that's been going on for a number of years now. It's the Multi-Unit Food Service Equipment Symposium. Uh, so this is the restaurant industry, folks, and uh, big, big event. Uh, pretty much every major chain goes to this thing. And I'll be there um, talking about location as usual uh, and uh, kind of what's coming and in particular focusing on sort of the back end integration operations side of it as opposed to the marketing side of it. So uh, excited about that. And then February 2nd and 3rd, I will be in Munich for LOCA conference, which is the LBMA's um, uh, event uh, or European event effectively, um, coordinated by our German team, Karsten and, and crew over there. And uh, excited about that. Uh, it's two full days of just jam-packed with amazing content uh, and not specific to retail like we usually do with Retail Loco, but the whole world of location, a number of verticals. Uh, so that's February 2nd, 3rd in Munich. So there you go. Those are good trips, Austin and Munich. Yeah. So you get a little bit of a reprieve from winter and then a little bit more winter. Yeah, you go from barbecue to Bavarian. <laughs> barbecue to Bavarian. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, well played, well played, mm-hmm. but no skiing. I am, you know, I'm ecstatic. The only thing I have coming up is a week off. There you go. I am, uh, I am skiing in Whiteface Mountain, Lake Placid. So if you happen to be in Lake Placid, New York, from the 16th to the 23rd, I will be there. I'll be the guy that's going down <clears throat> chasing my kids, screaming at them to slow down. That's me. Right here, skiing Whiteface Mountain. Can't wait. Should be fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. So if I'm not back for episode number 269... Something went really bad. <laughs> really, really, really. All right, bad. we we will we will uh, we will pray that you will you will be safe and that uh, <laughs> you'll come back in one piece, Rob. Well, you know, I've uh, I've, I've made it thus far, so um, it's more like I'm I'm much more concerned now about my kids than I than I am about myself. I will put myself in harm as as any parent would for their kids, um, but not because I'm worried that they're going to hurt themselves, but because if they happen to hurt themselves, which people do when they ski, is that uh, my wife will kill me. I will be a dead man right after that. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No, 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 no. So I protect my kids to to protect myself. I protect my kids to protect myself. Yeah. All right, what do you say we jump into the show? Let's do it. We got a big show. We do, and and I always get to start this off, and and I'm I'm happy about starting it off, and I've got some good stories here. Um, some of them that I'm going to roast, and some of them that I think are good. Um, uh, actually, you know, I don't even think I see a roasting story here. Not like last week. So I'm I, I this is the, maybe this first story is as close to a roast as I'm going to get. Right, which is this whole idea at CES. If you didn't know, if you were under a rock somewhere, last week was CES. CES kicks off the new year with a bang. You know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people show up at the Consumer Electronics Association show in Vegas, January 6th to 9th. And the thing that they always want to do, the thing that they want to do when they get to Vegas, of course, is not gamble. You know, I think prostitution is legal there. They don't want to go uh, gamble or screw or drink. What they want to do is what, Asif? They want to do a beacon scavenger hunt at CES. Of course. It's like, it's all on my list. It's like, and then they don't tell anybody because you know what, what it do. is. It's it's you come out of the new year. You just had Christmas, Rob. Yeah, yeah. 
and you can't wait for Easter. Like Easter, the egg hunt is too far away. <laughs> so, you know, this is this is how you get a little bit of Easter early. Oh my God. The problem is getting people to talk about this, this scavenger hunt because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Yeah. So nobody wants to talk about the beacon scavenger hunt, the big beacon scavenger hunt of CES 2016, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to break the cardinal rule here and tell you about Vegas, even though what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Uh, they've done this for how many years? This is the fourth year in a row where, uh, actually no, third year in a row where they've done this, which is a beacon-based scavenger hunt. And uh, they, they classify this as something that, you know, gets people to, you know, it's such a massive floor, hall, where everything, all the exhibitors are. And it gets them to go around and see different parts of it. And, and they've all done it with beacons and it's all done through the CES app. And it, this is this is not new. And in fact, if I was CES, I'd be goddamn embarrassed that I'm still doing this because this may have been cool in 2014, but in 2016, it's not so cool anymore. If you if you get my opinion, if you ask right. my opinion, is that this this whole idea of a beacon is, is old news. And uh, I'm not sure what their success rates are. And they, they could shove it on my face and say look you know we get so many people participating but i want to draw attention to this and this is not what the story really was because this is a location-based beacon uh, uh scavenger hunt you know what that is out there i don't have to explain it to you you walk around you go near a beacon you get credit for being where that beacon is and then you get uh, the most lame prize which are digital cameras from activion and panasonic wah wah like i don't want a camera Right, it was like the World Juniors. Steve, did you see that? Where's the, the drone? Where's my drone? I want a drone. I want a phone. I want something that I want. You know what yeah. I want? I want a Samsung Gear, a VR, or I want an Oculus Rift. That's there. You go. There now you start to talk in my language. There but you go. Did you see the uh, the World Juniors? You know, Canada got eliminated. Oh, and, and, don't don't get me going on that. But the player of the game, don't worry. The player of each game, do you see that? And the player of the tournament got Remington electric razors. Well, I didn't get mine, obviously, neither did you. But yeah. but what I'm saying is that, like, talk about lame. Lame! <laughs> Here, you're away from your family all Christmas, all through New Year's. You don't, you finish sixth, whatever it is. And, but because you're the player of the game, we're going to give you an electric razor. Oh, God. Have you, do they not know that hockey players don't shave? Yeah. Jeez. Anyway. Yeah. Same kind thing. Kind of crazy, right? Same thing. Yeah, here, but, yeah, they got to they got to up their prize game a little bit. But I think even with a scavenger hunt here, if you want my effort, it's like when I go to the gym, and this is a total rant, and I didn't expect it to be. When I go to the gym, I'm a good life member, and I see these ads that say, "Hey, refer three friends, and when those three friends sign up, you'll get a T-shirt." What? A T-shirt? Ah, oh, no. Anyway, so prizes are important. How about free membership? Yeah, exactly. Like, like next six, six months. months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. What, but what they did here is the problem is that they, they I, I jumped to an article at uh, MakeSign, so the Maker, Maker Magazine, and what they talked about was hacking this. So last year they did it, and this year they did it again. But last year and this year, you can actually do the scavenger hunt without ever being at CES because it's in the code. And all of the beacon locations are in the code. And they showed you on this this article about how to actually hack the CES scavenger hunt so you can you can complete it and qualify for the prize without even being... You can get your being, Panasonic camera. You can. You can, without even flying there. You, you don't, don't even have to go. You don't have to go. And, and, and so they, they show you. It's very... I'll, I'll include it. If you're interested, it'll be in the show notes at untether.tv. This is episode number 267. There you go. But, but so, what they also discovered, though, was that uh, the number of other beacons that were floating around in the thousands of beacons that were floating around the entire floor that are sanctioned, unsanctioned, that have access to your location because you have the app that's in the CES app. That is one of the things that was startling to me is that they found that there are thousands of beacons capturing your location throughout the three different locations where CES was happening inside of Vegas. That's the big thing, sending you creepy messages. That's like, hey, we're over here. Hey, you haven't seen everything at CES yet. Come and see us, right? Like, this is where beacon overload goes crazy. We've talked yeah. about that forever, right? So, well, big it needs story to be managed. for me. That's the problem, right? Well, yeah. Big story for me was that it's not so much about a beacon scavenger hunt, which is lame, which shows you that you're so two years ago, but it's the fact that you can hack it and that there are so many beacons floating around. You know what? So, so I'm, I'm the guy. Rob usually rants. <laughs> and I usually try to bring some kind of little spin to kind of tone it down a little bit. Yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that, you know, maybe Rob, this is part of that transition, that handoff, like they didn't have time, you know, when, when yep. the, um, consumer electronics association gave up running this event, yep. 
and handed it over to the Consumer Technology Association, which now runs this event, maybe that was one of those things that was just left over from the previous year and they didn't quite have time to kind of go and, and, and figure out something new and cool. Or maybe the contract was signed like, you know, way back when and it just kind of, you know, it's still in place with Radius, who is the, the one that powers this Radius networks. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk it up to that. And next year, Rob, next year, big. the CTA who now runs this thing, it's gonna be giant. It's gonna bring us drones, drones, and everything's gonna. You don't even have to go anymore. It's gonna yeah. be augmented reality or virtual reality, virtual reality CES, and you don't have to attend. There you go. All right. Well, that's the first story. I didn't mean it for it to be a rant. That's okay. Yeah, but it's just it's one of those things. If you're going to give me a prize, make it a good one. I think that's the right. lesson here, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. Second story. Oh, we're just now, at the second story. God, I thought we were done. We're just at the second story yeah. now. Do you still you still use ATMs, Rob? Do you still go pull cash out of a machine every once in a while? I do. Um, you know what? I when I had a parking spot, I had to pay in cash. That was it. But I don't yeah. have a parking spot anymore, so no, I don't use an ATM ever. Okay. Is that crazy? You know, I use ATMs, and here I'll tell you what, what I use ATMs. I, I make deposits oh, through yes. ATMs. Yeah. Um, because certain things you can't deposit still with the uh, with the good old app, right? Uh, so I, I do go there, and w when I do make a deposit, sometimes I pull out a little bit of cash just so I've got something walking around. And you know why I need cash? I'll tell you why I need cash. I don't need cash to pay for anything for work. I don't need cash to pay my bills or, or anything for the house or anything like that. But you know where I need cash is with my kids, because you know. Like they're in all these activities. There's always something going on. Like Matthew comes to me this morning and he's like, "Hey, Dad, um, I got pizza lunch today at school. I need to bring like you know six dollars for pizza lunch." I'm like, okay, so like you got to find the cash all of a sudden, right? So there is still a place for that. Like you know, he doesn't have an Apple Watch where he can go and pay for pizza lunch yet. Uh, it's we're not quite at that at, at that level yet. But for the moment, we still need cash. Anyways, that's a long way to say the ATM is still out there. And uh, some companies are still working on creating the ATM of the future, namely a company called iLock uh, and uh, another company called Diebold. And these two, these two companies have teamed up to create what they're calling the ATM of the future, and, and they're nicknaming it Irving, Irving, uh, I-R-V-I-N-G. Uh, and this is something they, uh, they showed at CES last week. And this is an ATM that doesn't require any PIN code, any card reader, uh, or screen. Okay, unlike any ATM you've seen today, it is using um, basically iris scanning technology, which is what iLock is providing uh, for authentication, and then um, uses NFC and QR codes, and everything is done through an app on your phone. So basically, you go up to this thing, and the only thing that's there is an iris scanner for the authentication purposes. Everything else you control through your phone. And then I guess if you're getting cash, it spits it out of the machine once everything's been authenticated. They say that uh, in, in trials and so on and so far, it shortens the transaction time to at least half of what a normal ATM transaction time is. So there you go. Still. Irving, the future ATM from iLock and Diebold. There you go. we got to pick up the pace. We do. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. That was just me. I set the tone. I set the tone so poorly. Yeah. Well, the next bunch of stories shouldn't be as as as, uh, as complex as that because our third story involves screens. So here we are you know, talking about cash. You see, well, here here's another thing that is about to be disrupted and not need cash, which are screens. We've always looked at screens as dumb, flat terminals, and we've done some stories around the ability to add some sort of uh, tap and go pay, but it's always been an auxiliary piece, right? It's either a, a new screen or a a piece that you add on, um, and we've always talked about screen commerce. Where you either you know hold up uh, you know your phone to for image recognition or for a QR code or something like that to initiate a payment. Well, here is a company, uh, Think and Go, that's going to debut this month in January the world's first multi-payment connected screens with the help from in uh, the company called Ingenico, and uh, they're they're going to uh, going to allow you to do uh, screen commerce right from the screen. So anything that accepts a tap and go payment, so it could be a credit card, a debit card, or your phone with Samsung Pay, with Apple Pay with a Google Wallet, you can just hold it up to the screen and buy whatever is on that screen. And if you think about a big screen with four, five, six, seven different options, even 10 different options, each one of those options you can buy. So I, I look at this and think this is a great opportunity for movie theaters, concert tickets, hockey tickets, anything, any venue tickets. Um, it, it's, it would be great for uh, um, hotels. Uh, it would be great for payments into um, 
uh, I, I don't even know, restaurants. It would, you can think about that. Fast food restaurants, you can just order mm-hmm. from the screens. So this is a pretty, this is a, a, a big business. Uh, again, like I think we're still trying to, str- we're struggling here to try to find out a place for all of these different mechanisms for payments. Um, but, you know, the, the ability to tap a screen and pay makes sense to me and this is uh if this is a world's first and i gather what they're going to do by kicking this off is take it into tim cook and uh and get him to to make a donation right away right off of one of these screens with apple pay when it kicks off sometime in this month so i this nothing wrong with this story this is something that's that just seems to be very logical yeah i like it a lot too and um there's so much innovation going on between screens and mobile and location right now uh, obviously, one of the big topics we've we've covered at retail local conferences, and we will continue to cover at, at South by this year. So, um, excited by that type of innovation. All right, sweet. Our our four stories sticking with screens. Um, here in Toronto, we have an airport called Billy Bishop Airport. This is the sort of second airport, if you will, to Toronto Pearson International. It is the on the island. Uh, it is the one that you can fly into and be in downtown Toronto in literally uh, 15 minutes um, you know, on a short little ferry or now uh, a tunnel. So they've been building this tunnel here in Toronto from the main uh, city across to the, to the island and it's a very short distance. Uh, so it's, not, it's, it's 853 meters, um, so it's less than a kilometer long, uh, this tunnel. And um, anyhow, uh, the tunnel is now open. And uh, you have that option. Well, along with that, they've equipped this tunnel or, or uh, put all throughout this tunnel digital signage. Um, and uh, a company called Black, uh, just Black uh, Advertising uh, Agency, uh, has, has been working on this. They're a media company uh, that has been given the contract through Ports Toronto that manages the airport to basically manage all the ad inventory in this space. And they've created this... Uh, uh, this this phenomenal uh, outlay of screens, and the screens are all eight feet high. Okay, uh, so they're kind of like the, basically you know almost the entire uh, height of of, of this uh, of the tunnel. And you think about this: uh, they're four K interactive screens. They have beacons built into them. They've got Wi Fi in the tunnel. They've got eight foot tall displays. Um, and you can view this from any angle. So it's all the latest kind of display technology that's going on there with, with all this kind of beacons and everything built into it. And so they've been running campaigns in here for BMW and Bank of Montreal and a number of others and getting great results because you have high foot traffic, you know, people passing through this, you know, all day 24-7 kind of thing. Um, and, you know, this ability to kind of just engage people as they go uh, and, and kind of interact with this kind of stuff and to know what's relevant, whether they're coming or they're going and delivering the right content at the right time, the normal sort of beacon-based messaging, geofence-based messaging, but in this case tied to screens. And you got to think about this too. When you're walking along, you know, if you've got an average person like say that's, you know, six foot tall or five, you know, whatever, eight or whatever they are, um, and and they're, they're walking beside an eight-foot screen, like it's pretty impactful, right? Like that, you know, the screen's almost the same size as the person, right? Um, I think that's, you know, at, at that level is pretty interesting. The other thing I want to quickly say about this is... Um, Black, uh, the company that's managing this, this inventory, is running a contest. So if you are in Toronto or uh, not, they're hosting the Billy Bishop Advertising Creative Contest. You can win $250,000 of media space on this platform for a charity of your choosing. Uh, and this uh, entries are due by January the 22nd. So there you go. Very cool. That's a, yeah. that's a good thing to do. That's $250,000, so it's uh, like 30 seconds? I have no idea. <laughs> it's like yeah. every screen for 30 seconds. Don't blink three times. There you go. It's like driving through Renfrew. You blink three times and it's and you're, <clears throat> and you're past it. That's what it's like. Yeah. All right, our fifth story and our last story and our greatest story ever. It's a great one. Yeah, this is great. I love that you give me this story, see, because it involves mosquitoes and I hate mosquitoes. We all hate uh. freaking mosquitoes. Oh, God. Like the summers in Canada are great, except for the mosquitoes and the black flies. So next is black flies. But here's a good thing is that we all know that mosquitoes are carriers of nasty diseases. We all know that. It's not their fault. They just carry the blood that they take from somebody and they carry with you and they spread these diseases. And one of those diseases is dengue fever. And I don't know about you, Asif, but I know one person who has had dengue fever. Somebody here. She got it. She contracted it in Sri Lanka, in Colombo and Sri Lanka. And uh, she's the only person that I know that has had dengue fever. But it is a big deal. Uh, 1.8 billion people in Asia are at risk 
of dengue fever. And it is a disease that has increased 30-fold over the last 50 years. And wow. it, there's a cost to it of $2 billion, uh, an economic cost of $2 billion for, for controlling the disease, which means culling mosquitoes and treating the disease. And it kills 200 people a year in Asia. So, you know, it's not one of those flash in the, like flashy diseases, but it has a huge impact. And here is a, um, here's a part of a university project that is helping to combat that. And I think there's other greater things it can do as well. But they've created something that they're calling a Venus flytrap for the streets. It's a light. It's a solar and wind-powered lamp that attracts and captures mosquitoes just to reduce the population, right? So to reduce the population of mosquitoes, therefore reducing the population or the potential for mosquito-borne diseases. Um, and at the same time, where you don't have a lot of infrastructure, like electricity, you know, buried in the ground, you have an ability for streetlights to kind of bring um, new sources of light to illuminate the roads. It's a really cool design because it's above, you know, every, all of the mechanics are obviously at the top because it captures wind and it captures mm. solar. And it uh, so it, it also uh, helps when, when flooding. I mean, in, in Southeast Asia, there's a lot of flooding. It happens because of monsoon season and poorly constructed roads and dams and all those. So, like, it, so it's very... Very well crafted but what's cool about it is that it, it mimics the smell of human beings not really the smell but our emissions right so we right. you know co2 co2 that's what we do we, we inhale and we exhale co2 and it, it is what it, it seems to attract mosquitoes to us so it, it's combining they they mimic this by by combining uh, ultraviolet light with titanium dioxide and this creates uh, co2 emissions small co2 emissions he says that the offset is not strong so it's not like it's he's polluting the earth um, he says that uh, the level of CO2 emitted by the light is low and the benefits of the clean power outweigh the CO2 emissions. So we're not worried about that. But it, it, takes, it takes advantage of the mosquitoes' uh, sensory abilities by tricking them to thinking that what they're going to do is go and attack human beings and go and bite mm. the human beings. But what happens is that th they come in, they're trapped through a, a uh, capture window, and then when they're in the lamp, they get sucked down into a net and they cannot fly away. So it, it, uh, you know, it basically traps all of the mosquitoes that are attracted by the CO2 emissions. I think this is crazy cool, crazy cool. It's done by the uh, Malaysia's University of Malaya, um, the Eco Greenery Outdoor Lighting System. And that's what this is. It's an LED street lamp that produces low levels of carbon dioxide to lure mosquitoes in to trap and crush them and their spirit. And Fantastic. dengue fever will disappear. Thank you. I, it's great, 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 great thing. I love it. Uh, this is a good story. <laughs> this is a very good story. That's a, down with dengue. Yeah. Down with I, I read, dengue. I read uh, a few weeks ago in a local newspaper here that somebody somebody at one of the uh, research uh, universities here uh, had been working on genetically modifying mosquito DNA uh, so that they couldn't carry disease at all. Oh. Um, and looking to re you know sort of introduce these into the population so that as they reproduce, basically disease disappears. What, what what do you think that does though? Like just yeah. like when you think like long term and and the fact that Earth's ecosystem is an ecosystem, and when you screw with one of them, like yeah. you know, there's probably no, some it's, uh, some nutrient that is necessary that has to be that that is like important for the survival of a human race, and and by eliminating it, we all die off. Yeah, I, there's got to be a purpose for mosquitoes. There has to well so. Well, I don't know. Like they—they they are harbingers of death. Those guys yeah. with yeah. Uh, all the viruses they carry. But uh, I, I think that their purpose is to keep guys like um, you know, like anti-bug. Well, the bats uh, spray. Bats eat them, right? So yeah, can you imagine? Oh, that's right. And the bats eat them, and then the the, the bat crap everywhere. Like, there's got to be something here. And then there's they make something. the coffee with it, and 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 yeah, something exactly. happens. Yeah. All right. Well, those, right. those are the five stories from our industry news. Uh, really good ones in there, except for maybe the beacons at CES. I wasn't, wasn't big on that. I don't know if you, you could tell. I'm not saying beacons are dead, but I think that beacons for, for uh, scavenger hunts are dead. And yes. So those are our five industry news. Now, you sat down with uh, Brian Handley, who is the CEO of Re Reveal uh, Mobile. You want to cue this up? Yeah, had a great chance to, to chat with Brian uh, earlier uh, today, actually, and um, you know got to to learn a little bit about you know Reveal Mobile and kind of what they're doing, and we covered these guys as a resource a few weeks ago uh, as they had uh, put out a map of the U.S. where all the beacons are across the U.S. and so we talked a little bit about that as well. So here he is, Brian Hanley, the uh, CEO of Reveal Mobile. Well, it's that time of week where we get to have a special guest on the show, and this week uh, I'm excited to have Brian Handley, who's the CEO of Reveal Mobile. Brian, welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. 
Great. Thank you. Uh, appreciate the time and uh, uh, good morning. Yeah. Well, so it's good good to chat with you guys. You guys are a relatively uh, new member of the LBMA. So maybe uh, for those uh, who you haven't had a chance to address in our, in our uh, community yet, who is Reveal Mobile? Sure, sure. Uh, so we're not, not just a new member of the, the uh, LBMA, but we're also fairly young as a company. We're just, uh, just quite a, uh, not quite a year old today. And what we do is we're a mobile audience platform. Uh, we sit in a couple hundred mobile apps a day, primarily on the media and the publisher side of the equation. Got a lot of TV broadcast companies that use our technology. We've got uh, a number of uh, weather apps that use our technology, as well as some sports apps, and then some other uh, uh, other publishers that use our technology. Fantastic. And essentially, what, yeah, essentially what we do is we we collect data, we analyze that data, and then we make that data usable for our customers. That's great, and and it, it's uh, one thing I like about what what you're doing is that you're, you're kind of, you know, it sounds like you're providing a service to a number of different, you know, types of media segments within the industry. So it's not just mobile, but you're working with television, you're working with, you know, a number of different areas. And that's important to us at the LBMA because we look at location-based marketing, you know, as not just a mobile uh, phenomenon, but, but a piece of data that basically spans, you know, all the, all these different media types. So with that said, like, how do you see location being important to what you're doing? Well, you, our, our background is really in as a mobile app platform in you know, past history. And one of the challenges that we saw with a lot of our customers back in, as a mobile platform was that they, they just didn't understand who their audience was. And there's, there, everybody thought in terms of cookies. And you just don't have that opportunity in mobile. So, you know, for us, that location becomes the proximity for a cookie. And we thought the best way that we could help customers like that was to help them understand their location history and then make that data usable for, for their customers, right? If you want to uh, try to have ads that are targeted to a known audience and you want to do that in mobile, the best way to do that is going to be with location. That's great. And, and uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's very much in line with the way we talk. I, I mean, I describe location as, as the cookie for the physical world uh, all the time. And so uh, it's good to hear, you know, uh, others are thinking that way as well. Now, one thing that uh, we, we have mentioned on, on the podcast show uh, in the past is that you guys have launched this initiative called the Beacon Map. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what your objectives are? Sure. So, you know, in addition to just latitude and longitude, one of the things that we look at as a data signal are Bluetooth, low energy beacon signals. And, you know, the good thing is that retailers are putting these signals uh, or these beacons out in droves trying to engage with consum consumers when they come within proximity of the, their stores. And, you know, th that's a great way to leverage beacons, uh, but that's not how we look at beacons, you know, as a proximity marketing tool. Uh, we look at it as much more of a precise location signal. Uh, and, you know, latitude and longitude is good enough to say that somebody's in a shopping center, but it's not really good enough to say what stores they're in within that shopping center. And so what we use beacons for is, to, you know, a much more precise location. So we can say that the consumer was not only in a shopping mall, but was also at the Macy's or at a CVS or a Best Buy. So it's a little more granular uh, set of information that we get from the beacons. And so as we processed all of that, the, the beacon signals that we ran into, you know, it became apparent that, you know, there's a, a big opportunity for education in the industry. You know, where are all these beacons? Who are all the people, or all the companies who are placing these beacons out there? And, uh, you know, as we started to plot that for our own uses on a map, you know, it became pretty obvious that, hey, there's, there's an opportunity to, to really publish something like this and make this uh, an education tool for, for anybody else that's really interested in, in the beacon space. And so that was, you know, really the, the momentum for us in, in launching the, the beaconmap.com. And is the beacon map uh, limited to the, to the U.S. Uh, from a geographic perspective, or are you, are you planning on taking this uh, globally? Well, it's limited right now in terms of our footprint, and you know, we're, our, the intent is to take it globally. But the vast majority of our customers today are U.S. based, so you know that's where we're running into the beacons. Uh, we're working with some prospects today that will give us a little more of a global footprint, and so we'll expand that as as we expand. 
And when uh, when you look, I mean, I love I love this kind of. I mean, anytime you can take data and create some sort of visualization of it, I think it makes it much more impactful, much much easier for people to understand. You know, the value of something like a beacon um, when you can see it. Uh, you know, and, and and see kind of you know the progression and the growth of uh, of how these things are being used. You know, across a, a geography like the U.S. So so I think it's it's a valuable insight that you're providing to the industry when you look at it from an audience insights or segmentation perspective, I mean, this is a hot area in the space of location at the moment. We see brands, media buyers, uh, media providers, you know, clamoring for data right now to understand, you know, how to better, um, you know, sell advertising, uh, you know, that is much more targeted, much more segmented. And, you know, is that something that you're seeing growing right now or, or stabilizing right now? Or how far along are we in, in kind of the adoption of, of this kind of rich segmentation data around location? Uh, I, I think we're still very, very early on in terms of the segmentation, at least with the customer base that we're working with today, is that you know, in, in many cases we're still education, ed, educating people on a, what a beacon is, right? It, Certainly, that was true. You know, six, eight months ago. You know, it's a little more uh, uh, ubiquitous than it was uh, early on in our careers. But um, we 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 see it as a very early stage for us. Uh, we still see. You know, one of the biggest challenges is everybody thinks of beacons as the, a you know purely a proximity marketing tool. You've got a shopping app, you walk into a certain mall and you get a push alert for, you know, a coupon for 20% off back to school. And, you know, so part of our education process is, uh, you know, what you can use beacons for outside of just proximity marketing. That makes sense to me. Now, maybe just to wrap things up, Brian, um, you know, if you look in the crystal ball or, or maybe, you know, you've just come back from CES you know, what's something that excites you about the future of, of where we're going with location and proximity technology? Uh, so, uh, you know, the thing that really excites me is that, you know, we're, we're, we are just on the, the edge of adoption for, for beacons. I think there's, you know, if you look out a, even a year from now, uh, the number of beacons that will be out there in retail will be significantly bigger than it is today. So we'll have, you know, so much more ability to segment audiences based on, you know, is this a major league baseball fan? Do we see them in, you know, the, uh, uh, in uh, baseball stadiums? Do we see them in shopping malls? Do we see them in airports? You know, it's so it'll be it's sort of the, uh, the, the not necessarily the wild wild west, but very early days in, in terms of beacon adoption. So you know, a couple of years from now, it'll be much more prolific. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for your time, and again for our audience, we've been chatting with Brian Handley, the CEO of Reveal Mobile. Brian, thank you so much for coming on uh, this week in location-based marketing. I, I appreciate the time. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks again, Brian, for doing that. We really appreciate it and look forward to uh, catching up with you in person soon. Hey, do you, do you watch uh, James Corden by any chance? No. Oh, my God. So he's the Late Late Show? Okay. And he yeah, does his... I, I, I'm in bed by then. Ron. Yeah, but uh, YouTube, dude. YouTube. Heard of it? Yeah. He's, he's got this great thing, which is car carpool karaoke. Carpool so, karaoke. Carpool, just if you haven't seen this out there, uh, guys, I'll check it out. Carpool go karaoke. and search YouTube for carpool karaoke, and he's got uh, like huge stars like Carrie Underwood, like Justin okay. Bieber, like uh, what's that boy band that just that just stopped uh, One Direction, okay. uh, in in this car, and they sing at the top of their lungs their songs, right? So, and he's an, uh, this guy. I love James <laughs> Corden. He is so freaking funny. Anyways, it, it is a uh, carpool karaoke. Go and look at it. I really appreciate you helping me get to work, man. Thank Always. you so much. It really means the world to me. There's a group of guys here, and they lose their Give them a big wave. Look, here you go. Hi, guys. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> big Late Late Show fans here, yeah, guys? Thank you so much. Probably, yeah. Yep. Hey, Take care. hey, it's a pleasure, guys. Yeah. Anytime. Sorry about that, man. They're big. Big fans of the Late Late Show, I think. It's probably, probably a bit nervous. They probably didn't want to ask for a photo because they know I get it all the time. Um, should we listen to some music? Let's do it. Do you want to listen to some music? Let's do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This is such a huge tune. Okay. You ready? Ready? I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I know you love me. I know you care. Oh. Just shout with me. 
right. I don't know what brought that up, but James Hanley. There you go. Yeah, yeah, whatever. All right, you've got our last uh, piece of business, of course, is uh, our member news. So do you want to run through this pretty quickly? I'm timing you, see. Ready? Five stories. Time it out. Here we go. go. First go. story. General Motors, big announcement uh, last week. Uh, they've invested $500 million in Lyft. Uh, that is Uber's competitor, Lyft, uh, and brings their valuation uh, way up there uh, to uh, what is their valuation now, Rob? It's $5.5 billion. It's still a pittance of what Uber is. A pittance. Uber's valued at $60 billion. Yeah. These guys are valued at $5.5 billion. But still, a significant move, uh, a strategic move, in that this is the first time an automotive company has put money into any of these companies. Uh, Uber hasn't had this happen to them yet either. So uh, good good for Lyft. Um, and they say that uh, they're going to it, – it, it's a signal towards – a um, you know autonomous uh, you know uh, driverless uh, fleet of vehicles out there, uh, which is all the talk right now. We're talking about you know uh, cars without drivers, um, and um, you know you can see a, a fleet of Lyft vehicles powered by GM, uh, you know as part of this investment, and that's kind of where they're talking about this going down the road in a very very short order. GM also said um, back in October that. Uh, they're going to launch a fleet of uh, Chevy Volts, electric Chevy Volts, on the road. A fleet of them, uh, autonomous fleet, that is, uh, by 2017. So we're a year away from uh, driverless fleet of cars, electric Volts, GM, you know, where Lyft is going to come get you without a driver. There you go. So that's the one, first one. Second story, also GM kind of related, OnStar, this is the... Uh, you know, the communications uh, concierge service platform. They've teamed up with a company called Syncross, uh, I think is how you pronounce this, um, to basically power mobile commerce with physical merchants from the vehicle. So you know OnStar is there for when you get locked out of your car and you can do, you know, all these different things with it. But it's this whole ability now to kind of power uh, commerce transactions, power uh, engagements and transactions with physical merchants. And Syncross basically has a platform for managing, you know, the, the cloud managing and the mobile software communications piece of this. Um, so they've uh, they've teamed up together to do this. Uh, it's all part of something called the Integrated Life Platform uh, that Syncross has, has brought to market that uh, OnStar will now be using as part of their, uh, you know, their uh, at-your-service program, which is what they call their new their new. Uh, the latest version of OnStar. Third story, Emirates Airlines. Well, this is an older story actually, but the data only got released uh, recently. They had teamed up with Millennial Media. You might remember Millennial uh, was acquired by AOL a little while ago. We talked about that. But uh, prior to that acquisition, um, the uh, Millennial, Emirates, and Havas, the agency, all worked together on an interesting campaign to basically use Millennial's audience segmentation data to reach uh, a target audience of, of um, you know, 25 plus uh, sort of affluent consumers that were at airports at JFK and LaGuardia uh, and New York Liberty airports in particular, kind of focusing on, you know, the, uh, you know, the route that was going from New York to, say, Dubai. And um, what they wanted to do was kind of promote the fact that, uh, you, you know, when those that certain audience segment was on the Wi-Fi networks at those airports and combining that with the segmentation data that Millennial has they were able to reach a very very targeted audience and what they were showing them was um, interstitials and video ads uh, inside of the the Wi-Fi uh, usage that was going on that uh, basically allowed them to show Emirates has this this um, this uh, cabin on their uh, on their plane where it's kind of like the old days of air travel, where you can go. There's an onboard lounge. There's a fully stocked bar. You can mingle with other passengers. You know all that kind of stuff with orders and sip on cocktails. And they wanted to kind of show what this was like in a video interstitial kind of thing to this target audience and kind of get them excited about the possibility of flying with uh, with Emirates. So fantastic use case of location-based marketing and media there. So good work by Emirates, Havas, and uh, Millennial now AOL. All right. Four story, AT&T at CES uh, this week announced uh, that they've partnered up with Cisco, Deloitte, Ericsson, GE, IBM, Intel, and Qualcomm. Okay, They're all working together on a smart um, connected communities initiative. It's, um, and um, what's interesting about this is, is they've uh, chosen a few cities that they're going to go and start to launch uh, some pilots in. And so they're, they're, they're doing this in Atlanta. 
in partnership with the Georgia Technology, uh, Georgia Institute of Technology, Chicago, and Dallas. And um, <clears throat> each of these cities has a slightly different focus in terms of what they're going to be doing uh, in them. And they've also launched, AT&T that is, has launched something called the Smart City Network Operations Center. And this is to serve as a high-level digital dashboard of community conditions, including power outages, water leaks, and traffic issues. So they're going to be providing cities now with an operations center based on smart uh, technology and data, and I guess sell that as a service to different cities. Very, very uh, uh, interesting. Uh, you know, definitely way, the way you know the you know we're going to be using these types of technologies and the way cities are going to have to go. So I think this is a smart move by AT and T to kind of go after this. And and if you're in Atlanta, Chicago, or Dallas, Atlanta is looking to improve sustainability and public safety. Chicago is focusing on maximizing energy efficiency, and Dallas is looking to enhance operations in its West End historic district. So there you go. And a final story, one for Rob right here because he's he, he's the gadget guy. Uh, but Garmin, do you still have any Garmin devices, Rob? I don't think I've ever. Oh, any maybe Garmin I had one. watches or fitness trackers or anything like that. No, I had a Garmin GPS, I think, for my car. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I don't have it anymore. Okay. Well, anyways, for those of you who have Garmin, uh, in particular, the newest line of Garmin uh, devices, the Phoenix 3 Multisport Watches, uh, as, um, basically they've teamed up with AccuWeather to use something called MinuteCast. And this is little, literally minute-by-minute minute pre precipitation forecast data. So you're out on your run, you're out on your bike ride, and you got one of these Garmin devices and now fully integrated with that is MinuteCast data coming from AccuWeather um, that gives you minute-by-minute minute, like hi hyper-local precipitation data, um, which could be important. <laughs> I, guess, uh, I guess it could be. Yeah. I, a friend of mine, actually, I, I, was, uh, I was at his place uh, on New Year's Eve, and uh, he's, a, he's a runner. And, th and this guy, uh, I know a few of these guys, like they're you know, marathon guys, and they're training all the time. And he runs every morning, regardless of how cold it is or whatever. And he's out there. And he... Um, he had a uh, the Nike uh, watch for mm -hmm. a while, but he got a Garmin over the, over the holidays, and he basically said to me, like it was just part of the conversation over over New Year's. He goes, you know, I, I ran with this thing this morning. He says it's like night and day. Like I'm throwing the Nike thing in the garbage. Wow. Yeah. He says like this thing is so much more accurate. And and what he said was he said like. You know, like you could run with this Nike thing, and you run the same. He runs the same route every day, and he says, like, you know, it'll say, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm 150 meters from this point to this point, and then he'll run it the next day, and the same exact. He'll stop at the same point, and it'll say, well, no, it's 300 meters. Now or <laughs> like, it, like it's, it, it's, it, like it's not that accurate. Yeah. Whereas this thing, like, it's, it's, it's perfect every time. It seems like so. There is something to be said about you know the accuracy of the location data. And, you know, when you're talking about a company like Garmin, I mean, these guys have been in the mapping business for a long time. That's their business, yeah. You know, and, and I can believe that. You, you know, most of the other stuff, even the Apple Watch, uh, is just for, like, the, the armchair. The casual, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The casual and, runner. And when I run with my Apple Watch, and I do it, I, I mean, I just, I, I know how much I run, right? Is that it's yeah. in the range of that, right? It's yeah. not, it's, accuracy doesn't matter when you're on a treadmill. How's that? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It doesn't. But for some people, it does, right? It's and, very important. And I think that's where you know the Garmin devices and some of these others, you know, start to make sense. But I'd like to know. I'd like to know um, how far do you have to run, and what's the distance you have to bike, in order to be in a different climate, right? To to, to change where like minute by minute you need to know whether it's raining or not, um, because those are those are long runs. So you're talking about like when I go out, and if I go out for a 10k run. It's like the weather's not going to change that much in that inside of that sphere of when I'm running. But when we're talking about great distances, like biking 200, 300 kilometers, yeah, you know, then you or, or cross country skiing, the same thing is that you, you know, you go for distances, and and uh, and I can understand that from a marathoner. So, yeah, specialized materials, specialized tools for specialized uh, offerings, right? Then that's what Garmin does. That's cool. Those are good. That's good. The, the lift stuff is interesting to me. Yes. Um, very much the smart city stuff with AT&T is very interesting. Yeah. And uh, obviously, anything that has to do with athletics is interesting to me. So, very cool. Fantastic. Don, Good stories. Car commerce. Car commerce. So, yeah. we've got the screen commerce. We've got uh, social commerce. So, we've got conversation commerce. And we've got car commerce. It's just, it's called commerce. Can we just call it commerce? Yeah, there you go. 
All right, that is it, man. That is it. I would be loath to. Uh, I know that we talked about uh, David Bowie at the beginning of the show, but I would be loath to not bring this up because today is January 11th, which is also the big man's birthday. Clarence Clemens. He would have been 74 today. Of course, he died in 2011. He died, and I got the notification while we were doing an episode of this week in location-based marketing. Uh, I saw it right away. It was unbelievable, and I managed to contain myself. Do you remember that? Do you I remember do. That? My yes. God. I, I, I distinctly remember that. It was a big moment. It was a huge moment. You know, I have to say, Rob, like you and I, we've been together, yeah. either recording or physically at a retail loco when some big things have happened. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, shooting in Ottawa, I was at yes. retail loco in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. You're right. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Something, I don't know. Something but, goes wrong uh, when we're together. Yeah. Hmm. But then, then of course, we've had some we've had some good times, haven't we, Steve? Yes. It hasn't been all death and doom. No, we've had some good, really good times. So, anyhow. Well, this was one of them. 267 in the bucket. Done. Finished. Finished. Uh, and I, again, we have to say hi to uh, Abriana, who uh, runs the uh, Atlanta version of the location-based marketing in the Atlanta chapter, who, who so kindly said that she listens to us on Monday mornings. That's really nice. It's, it's, uh, but I know that it's required listening, but, but I, pre- I appreciate it anyways that she no, does it. We appreciate it. All right, man. Well, we will be back for 268 next week. Folks, have a safe and lovely week. I will be here one more week. See, safe travels just to Toronto and back, just inside of your own city. Just inside my city. And uh, everybody else out there, enjoy your week. We will see you next week. See you later, everybody. You there? So, let's play.